Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com. We're in our 21st year on Voice America and very happy to be here. And we always have such great guests. And today is a wonderful guest. I've had on her. I've had her on the show in years past. And she's just so dynamic. And really, if you're thinking about writing a book, this is the go-to person. My guest today is Lisa Tenner. And she is the author of the new book. And it's called The Joy of Writing Journal. Okay. And Lisa is an award-winning author, book writing and publishing coach, and speaker. Her recent book, The Joy of Writing Journal, Spark Your Creativity in Eight Minutes a Day, won three prestigious awards, including the Nautilus Book Award, Independent Publisher Award, and the National Indie Excellence Gold Award. She's received the Stevie Award for Coach, Mentor, and helps thousands of writers tap into their creativity and to publish. And her clients have signed five and six figure deals with Hatchet and Random House and other top publishers. She's also been quoted in the New York Times, the Boston Globe, Vice, and appeared on national and local TV, including PBS. So, with that said, hello, Lisa. Hello, Patricia. So good to be with you. Yeah, I mean, I've known you for a long time, and the awards just keep coming <laughs> over the years. <laughs> really, it's wonderful. So um, I think the first thing I want to ask you about, since your book is really about journaling, right? It's the joy of, of writing journals. How does journaling contribute to positive living? Well, there's a lot of research out there that shows that journaling can boost your mood. It can help heal it can help you solve problems, tap your creativity. So all of those contribute to huge positive living, and uh, and it can help you grow your confidence too. Yeah, and but journaling is also good for just sharing your emotions, right, Lisa? Mm-hmm. I mean, and and sometimes you can go back and grab that material that you didn't even know you wrote or you didn't realize it was there. What do you think? Yes, absolutely. It's a great way to process, you know, both emotions and challenges, right? If you're having a relationship challenge or a work challenge, you can really process the whole thing and often come up with insights that, you know, you wouldn't have gotten if you were just talking to a friend. Um, A journal is where you have that, uh, you know, really anonymity, right? Nobody else is seeing it. And so you can go a little deeper. Yeah. Yes. And then you can also, I think, I mean, my feeling about that is that there are many things that I might write in a journal that if I were writing a book, I wouldn't think of putting in, right? So Mm -hmm. it, it allows me that access to that deeper part of myself that maybe I wouldn't even write if I was thinking about writing a book. Yeah. That's absolutely true. It's, it's, it's a really separate thing, and yet my journals have been such a source of material for books, and I find that with clients, too, that when we journal, you know, sometimes we'll be journaling something, and suddenly there's a new book idea or a new blog post. So a journal is a wonderful place to get material, but you can also keep whatever parts of it private that you want. 
And how do you help people start journaling? Um, you know, some people might say, I don't want to put any of those thoughts down on paper. What if someone sees them? I'm sure you've heard that before. Mm -hmm. So how do you help people get into it? Yeah, so, you know, if you want to keep it private, you do need to find a place where, you know, you're comfortable that it's going to be private. And for some people, that's under lock and key. Um, and for others, it's, you know, the who are, you know, either live alone or just know that, that their boundaries are going to be respected, they can find a place where, you know, it, it's it's private. So, you know, you need to figure that out first. And and then in terms of how to get started, there are a number of ways. You know, one of the easiest is a prompts journal, and uh, the Joy of Writing journal is a prompts journal. And to make it even easier, some of the things I've done are we start with making a list, you know, five things that bring you joy, and then you can pick one of those to explore. So if one of them doesn't excite you right away, you can choose another one. So that's helpful, and, and just writing down that list gets you writing. So, you know, there's, there's one hump that you already get over very easily. So I've tried to make it really, really easy for people. And I also have, as you know, these QR codes in the book where people can scan and watch a video or listen to an audio meditation. So it's another way to sort of interact a little, get a little bit. You're not just staring at a blank page. You get a little something to interact with before you go to the writing. Um, but personally, one of the things I do is when I wake up in the morning, I just journal, I write down my dreams or whatever's kind of at the surface. And I might apply that to what's going on in my life at the moment and uh, start to journal about that. And it often leads to insights or solutions to problems. Uh, it's, it's a yeah. wonderful tool to use that way. Yeah, I think also when you were talking about just journaling in general, and, and having, you know, bringing up different things in your life. I mean, when you start to journal, you're working with what's going on inside of you. But also, um, the prompts in your book make it much easier because sometimes, as you said, you're looking at a blank page and you're not sure what to write. And mm -hmm. so if, if you have those prompts, and that will help you. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that sometimes we don't think of, you know, it just draws a blank. And so, right. go ahead. So no, when, go you ahead. Work, you when you work with your clients and they have trouble journaling, is this how you help them by giving them word prompts or idea prompts or visualizations to do? Yeah. It often is, you know, I have a program now um, that I'm really excited about uh, called Get Your Writing Done, and we meet every week. And in that class, we do my five steps for writing and flow. So we do, do some uh, movement or breathing. We set an intention, but it, it's all fairly simple. And uh, then I, you know, people can bring a project to work on, but I also offer prompts, and I, I like to tie them a little bit to the movement we did. Sometimes we'll do a qigong or yoga exercise, and we'll tie that to to the um, the prompt itself. So that's kind of fun because it, it, I think it allows you to sort of go deeper and access things you might not get otherwise. Which mm, is really great. How did you how did you get into this? I mean, I've known you a long time. And I've always known you as a writer and a coach. But were you always writing? Were you writing as a child? I mean, how did, because there's a deep love here for you for writing. Where does that mm -hmm. come from? Yeah, there is. Um, so I, 
when I was in second grade, my grandmother, Lily, gave me a diary for my birthday. And I said, oh, what's this? And she said, it's a diary. You write in it. And I said, well, what do you write? And so she suggested I go outside and just see what I can see in nature. And it was, it was April, so there were crocuses in bloom, and I described them. And that was my first journal entry. So, you know, through the years, it's funny because I discovered not that diary, but the one that came after that. And I discovered it a few years ago. It had a little lock and key. And some of the journal entries were at the end of the year. I always journaled my New Year's resolutions. And Stop Biting My Nails was one of them, as I misspelled biting. But it was like every year, Stop Biting My Nails and Stop Yelling at My Brother and Sister or Be a Nicer (laughs) Sister and Stop Losing My Temper. So it was interesting to see, you know, like the, the patterns that occurred year to year to year. But that was how I got started. And uh, really, I journaled a lot throughout my school years and often in my journal wrote poetry. And Mm. then uh, journaled a lot in college about relationships. And then, you know, as as I entered the workforce, it became also about uh, my jobs and really trying to find a sense of purpose and a job that really was meaningful to me because I really struggled with that. So the journal was always there to help me with that next piece of personal growth and and that next um, career step as well. Were your were your jobs early on in the field of writing and editorial and publishing? Not at all. My first jobs were uh, computer oriented. I did um, wow. did computer programming. Basically, I've gone to MIT, so I did computer programming related um, work. And although my first job was at PG&E, and we also did a, we created classes, and we did a lot of training of the the users within our our company. So, you know, the training part, teaching part, has has for long been a, oh. a part of my life. And then I ran a nonprofit for ten years, and in that job, there was a lot of writing because we had newsletters and annual reports and fundraising letters. So there was a lot of writing and often telling a story because when you're fundraising, you've got to uh, engage people's emotions with a good story so that they feel excited about being part of what you have to offer. I think it's so interesting that, you know, you went to MIT, which is often very intellectual and more left-brained in terms of more analytical and yet mm-hmm. you're, you're really using your right brain in terms of creativity. So you've been able to combine both in a very strong way. Thanks. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's helped me. Um, a lot of times I'm helping clients find that magical space where that, that creative aspect of them lies, but also to marry that with an understanding of the marketplace, an understanding of how publishing works, an ability to... Uh, have a business tied to the book so that, uh, you know, it, it that will increase book sales. It'll also make your activities sustainable because a lot of the activities for promoting a book don't bring in any money if you don't have a business plan with it. Right. So, uh, so those skills really do help my clients to be successful. And they mostly write nonfiction books, although in Get Your Writing Done, people are writing all kinds of things. Um, short stories, you know, fiction, poetry, screenplays. So that's been fun to kind of broaden what we're working on. 
Well, and I think in today's world, you know, it's so much easier to publish because you can self-publish so readily. And now you can do well self-publishing where 20 years ago, you had to be with the big houses in -hmm. order to make it. Now there's still a chance if you sell a lot of books, right, that you can do well in self-publishing. Yes, and actually it was really interesting. I only recently started doing Amazon ads, and uh, it really helps. And one thing that I noticed was I, for one of the awards that my book won, we had an awards ceremony on Zoom, and then they had us in breakout groups. And several of the breakout groups, each time somebody started talking about Amazon ads, and the people who were with traditional publishers, this was an independent publisher award. So these were smaller independent publishers. And, um, you know, usually you're making a dollar or maybe a little less than a dollar per book if you're with a traditional publisher. There's no budget for you then to do Amazon ads. So if your publisher will do it, great, but most publishers aren't, I think. And so if you're self-publishing, well, there's a a much bigger profit margin from which to draw, and you can – either make money on the ads or close to breaking even. And then if there's a business plan associated with it, then suddenly the book is, is actually making money for you. So when mm. I wrote the Joy of Writing Journal, it really came from this heartfelt place. And I really didn't know how it was going to fit into my my business. And I didn't know if it really did fit into the business. Um, but I just I just felt there there was a need for it, and especially during COVID, I think people needed resources. And for me, one of the greatest resources there is is journaling. So yeah. I, I just knew I needed to write the book. But interestingly, what's happened was when I started doing the Amazon ads, which is pretty recently, um, somebody recently came to me as a new client and kind of a high-profile person too, and she said, you know, I was in this Facebook group for for writers. And somebody had mentioned your book, and they actually wrote, I thought this book would be a throwaway, but I was curious. And this is the best mm. book I've come across for getting unstuck, for writers who are stuck. Mm. And so she bought the book and then became a client. So, you know, sometimes you don't know what the business plan is, and you just write from your heart. But um, but I guess my point was that, that the Amazon ads can really um, be, if you do have a business, then the Amazon ads can can really be actually a great business tool, even though I wasn't intentionally do, designing it that way. Well, I think there's many more ways to promote today. Podcasting mm-hmm. is one, ads yeah. is another. And I, I, the comment you made, I think, was so important about you felt it was very important to write this book now, The Joy of Writing Journal, particularly with COVID, where mm-hmm. so many people have been isolated. So I think... Exactly. Um, you know, I think that that's made made a big difference, right? And you, um, and we'll talk about this in the next segment, but I know that you help a lot of people not really write their books verbatim, but more write their proposals so they're ready to write the book, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I may certainly help people with editing and other pieces too, but I love working with people on book proposals. Uh, it's It's a process that uh, is really creative, but also really considers the marketplace. Yes. Yeah. And that's what you're looking at, right? You're looking at, and also style too, and, and targeting the market. Do you feel, we read so much, Lisa, that when you write or whatever you're doing, you should target your market because what you're going to say is not for everyone. What do you think? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's the one of the common mistakes of the new writer, and certainly was my mistake with my first nonfiction book, was thinking, oh, this book is for everyone. Everybody can use it. But the truth is, even if the information is valuable to anyone, you really do need to package it in a way so that the people you're here to serve see that it's for them. And if it's too generic, too broad, they're not going to see it's for them. You're not going to be speaking their language. So you really do want to get clear who your reader is. And, and it's one of the first exercises I do with people is to to imagine your reader before the book and after the book and what's changed. Mm. Oh, what a great thought. Right. And does it change, Lisa? Yes, it certainly does. And, you know, I was amazed. So, I, you know, in my mind, I had ideas of who this book would help. And it was mostly people who either want to write or want to journal and, you know, want to maybe experience some personal growth or maybe just, you know, write a book or other kinds of things and that this would help them get into the zone to write. But I was amazed at some of the transformation I heard. So the one of the most amazing to me was a mom who said, you know, I bought the book because my son, and I think her son was like eight, he's, he's anxious and he has trouble falling asleep. And so we started to do a prompt every night before bed and it helped him fall asleep, and it helped him stay asleep, and he was less anxious, and I was wow. blown away. So sometimes, you know, you have your idea of how the book will be used, but the transformation is way beyond what you can even dream about, I think. Yeah, I think that's very true, and it's interesting. I was supposed to give a TED Talk about three years ago. This was around COVID, and everything mm-hmm. kind of stopped, and I, I practiced it, and I rehearsed it, and and. And now, and so I didn't, it didn't happen. But mm-hmm. if I were to give that TED Talk today, it would be very different. Very different. Yeah. I mean, there'd be elements, right, elements, but it would just be different. And because of that, I'm actually glad that I didn't do that one because I have a different perspective now. So it, it's interesting how time makes a difference. That is. That's so wonderful. I love that. Yeah. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Lisa Tenor, who is an award-winning author, book writing, and publishing coach, and her recent book, The Joy of Writing Journal, Spark Your Creativity in Eight Minutes a Day, which won three prestigious awards, including the Nautilus Book Award, Independent Publisher Award, and National Indie Excellence Gold Award. How can people find you, Lisa? LisaTenor.com, so it's Lisa and then T-E-N-E-R.com. Okay. And they can get a copy of your book, and if they want to work with you, they can learn all about that. Absolutely. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, you name it. (laughs) LinkedIn. All right. All right. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice, and we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Join hosts Navanav every week for Good Morning Canada. Our home is Canada, but our message and reach is boldly global. Our focus is on the alternative perspective, the hidden dimension, and the expansive horizon. Ideas are designed to be challenged, perceptions shattered, and information balanced. We invite you to visualize the converse viewpoint. Dare to be inquiring, but always promise an hour of lively fun. Listen worldwide at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show hi everyone and we are back and i'm so happy to have on my program lisa tenner who's an award-winning author book writing and publishing coach and speaker. And her recent book, The Joy of Writing Journal, Spark Your Creativity in Eight Minutes a Day. She has won three prestigious awards, including the Nautilus Book Award, Independent Publisher Award, and the National Indie Excellence Gold Award. And again, her new book is The Joy of Writing Journal. She's received many other awards too, and been on many programs. So welcome back, Lisa. Thank you, Patricia. Yeah. So let's talk about a little more about working with authors who self-publish because now there's such a great opportunity to Mm self-publish and you know and also authors who work with traditional publishing houses and talk about you know the changes in publishing it's challenging today to have an opportunity to work with a major house Mm -hmm. because a lot of times they work with with celebrities or well-known experts that already have a big following. So talk to us about that, but also um, to encourage people that even if they don't get accepted through a big publishing house, there is opportunity to self-publish. So talk to us. You're the expert in this, Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's true that publishers want to see a big following. And, you know, that could mean Instagram. It could mean your mailing list. Often it means a few pieces together. and that's especially true for nonfiction, for, for prescriptive books, self-help, how-to, business, and memoir. Now, um, sometimes there are things you can do that will really make a difference. For instance, a lot of business people uh, will commit to buying a certain number of books, or a lot of speakers will do that, too. So mm-hmm. if, if you're a speaker and you know you're going to be able to sell 5,000 books, you just commit to buying them. You get them at a discounted price and you 
you might even just roll that into your speaking fees and um that you know that's one way to interest publishers like Wiley and other publishers that tend to publish business books in particular uh but that's a, a possibility another is bulk sales so if you can interest a large organization that's somehow connected to the subject of your book and they're willing to buy a lot of books and and often that again might be an organization where you do some public speaking, so they're willing to make that commitment. And maybe you mm-hmm. even say, buy 3,000 books and I will come speak for the day for free, right? Mm-hmm. So those are some ways to to maybe um, have things lean in your favor when looking for a publisher. Uh, and a lot of my clients, I, I work with a lot of therapists and coaches and entrepreneurs, so sometimes you know, they will get a a blog, like they'll blog for psychology today, and that can be a big plus because that's a large audience. And as you know, podcasting is great. So if you have a popular podcast, that can really help you with getting a publisher. Uh, publishers love podcasts because it is a very niche audience, you yes. know, as opposed to radio, you know, old-fashioned radio where it's, it's, it's not um, – you know, there, there's no niching. Well, not much, right? It, it's it's sort of a very broad, broad audience. But uh, if you know, even with Voice America being uh, in the Variety Channel, you know, there's specific audiences for that. It's not just yes. broad brush everything. Yes. So, and and then with your show in particular, you know, these are people who are looking for positive living, looking for inspiration. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so it, it's a very specific audience, and they're going to be. Uh, really interested in what you have to offer. So uh, publishers do love love podcast hosts, and I know you train people yeah. in podcast hosting, so that that's a, a yeah. great way to to interest publishers. Yeah, um, uh, it, but it is. Yeah. Yes, and and I also think that um, the, the podcast then allows you to show your personality, you know, and and to give people mm-hmm. the backstory, Lisa. You know, let's say you you've read a novel and you love it, or you've read a book and you love it. But many times the author isn't going to share some of the things that happen behind the scenes that they might share on a podcast. So it can yeah. be very enlightening and very engaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really true, especially with a really seasoned host like you where you're able to get people to talk about those things. Yeah. Well, I, I, think, I think what I'm learning because I do a lot of corporate webinars on stress management and mental health is – the more we can talk about things and the more we can name them, you know, there's a saying, if you can name it, you can tame it. The more we can mm. get it out and name it, we're diffusing it. It's not in there like building up and just like building up like a little monster inside of us. And I think their writing is very therapeutic and healing. And so yeah. I think that that, that makes such a big difference. Uh, please talk Please talk about the, the whole idea of people saying, I can't write a book because I don't know how to write. Talk about that, Lisa. Yeah. So, you know, it does help to be a reader. You know, sometimes I hear from people who say, I never, you know, I never read a book and I want to write one. And, you know, it's possible. They're probably going to need a ghostwriter, but it's possible. But, you know, really good reading does make for better writing, too. And, and you know, you, you don't have to be an incredible reader or writer because there are people who are editors and book coaches who can help you improve your writing. And I've been amazed sometimes at like 
looking even from a first draft to a second draft, how much uh, a writer has been able to to go from something that was really not very digestible to something that is incredibly well written. So, uh, you know, from time to time, I'm just blown away by what people send me. And these are often people who hadn't been taught how to write well. And I had one client who I was so surprised. I almost told him I didn't think I could help him after seeing his first draft. And I thought, you know, I should really wait and see before I make that assumption. But it it was really hard to read. And uh, he sent me the second draft. I was blown away. And I said, Adam, like, I, 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 I'm just at a loss for words. Like, what happened between yeah, what the happened? first draft and Did second draft? Did someone else write it for you? <laughs> no, he said, I studied everything you said in your in your, you know, feedback. And he said, and I mean I studied it. He said, every mm. single thing, I really spent time with it, and I saw in every way where I could apply that to other chapters and, and other parts of the book. So, you know, he really, really applied it, and just within from one draft to the, to the second, it was, it was just astounding. So, uh, you know, a lot of it is often that you just weren't taught how to write well if you think yeah. you're not a good writer. Sometimes if somebody really can't organize their thoughts, they might not be the best writer. But, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes those are people who are great with more poetic writing. So it might be a matter of finding what's your way. And, you know, you did ask about, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead, then I have a question. You did ask about self-publishing, and I did want to say a little bit about that because, you know, I chose to self-publish my most recent book, and I am so glad I did because with a publisher, you know, especially with COVID and, there, you know, opportunities may be a little harder to come by, um, although certainly doing podcasts and things like that can help. But, because I self-published, I could really pivot a lot, and I did the Amazon yes. ads, and that has been really a great strategy because people buy it through the ad. They don't know me, but then they find the book really useful, and they're starting to share it on social media and other places uh, where I haven't had Which to lift a finger. Yeah, yeah, that is, that's great. I want to ask, I want to go back to something you said before because yeah. you were talking about how to be a good writer. It's, good if, if, it, it's helpful if you've been a reader. So mm-hmm. what if you're a reader more, cause, and I guess I'm speaking of me, I'm more of a nonfiction reader. I read mm-hmm. for information. I read all the time because I have to. And I write, and my writing is very more, um, you know, lists. I mean, I write about my feelings, but I don't read like a lot of novels. I'll watch it on a movie. And mm-hmm. if I read a novel, I'll, I'll go right through it because I, I get involved. But mm-hmm. I'm more of the reader for I need this information. And yet I'm a writer. So what do you think about that? Is it is it necessary to read a lot of fiction to be a good writer? It's not writer? necessary. And in fact, you know, you, you're probably doing best writing the kind of books that you read, you know, because you know what readers want in that genre because you're a reader true. of that genre. So I could really right. see you writing more of a self-help book, you know, anyway. That's what I do. Um, That's what I or yeah. even writing a journal, right? You could you could write a book with prompts for people that take them into positive living yes. or um, yes. positive aging or positive business. So, uh, you yeah. know, I could see that being a really really great fit too. But I I agree. You know, there, there's you don't need to write know how to write novels or read a lot of novels to be a good writer of nonfiction. Um, the one way and, in and which it's, fiction it's, can let me just help. Say something. 
Yeah. I just want to say one thing. It's interesting you say that because I don't think I could write a fiction book. And that's yeah. probably because it's, I don't, I mean, I, the whole idea of, you know, the plot and then building up the plot and then where the crescendo is, I, that isn't what I, I know. But nonfiction mm -hmm. and self-help is very comfortable for me. Isn't that interesting when you said that? I don't think I would even know how to write a fiction book. Yeah, That's yeah. But, you know, there are things we can learn from good fiction writers, which is character. So, for instance, yes. if you're telling an anecdote, try to make that person come alive for the reader, even if it's a short anecdote. Just find one quirky detail that really gives us a sense of the person, you know, mm. or um, describe, you know, what, what, what you what they looked like when they first walked into the room the first time you met them and, and what you your first impression was, but show us, you know, rather than tell us. So there are things we can learn from fiction writers, um, and, but you'll see that in good nonfiction too, right, in, in memoirs and, and even in prescriptive books that have good stories. Yeah, yeah which, is, which is great. So tell us, when you're helping readers or you're helping writers write or you're helping them write their book proposal, what are the biggest challenges you find? Is it in their writing style? Is it in that they're not sharing enough of themselves? Is it their punctuation and grammar? What is it? <laughs> that probably the biggest challenge is making the time. So, you know, most people yeah. have this desire and they don't make the time. So the first thing is really getting clear, like, why am I writing this book and am I committed to it and how am I going to make it happen? So I would say that's the first starting place. But then when it comes to the actual writing, um, I think one of the biggest is that, you know, that first draft, it's fine to just get it on paper and tell, 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 you know, and you can use adverbs and you can use um, uh uh, you know, you can name emotions and things that you don't want to do in the end. But so you can do a lot of telling in that first draft, but then you need to go through and really say, like, how am I going to make this come alive for the reader? And it, it partly becomes about trusting the reader. Like, what information can I give the reader so that they draw the conclusion? So that I'm not just, like, spoon-feeding them with generic material but it comes to life for them, and they get to draw the conclusion. Like, I don't have to say the person's nervous because they can draw that conclusion from the details I've given them. And that, that can be, I think, one of, the, one of the most important things to do, particularly even in a short anecdote, you know, um, but certainly, certainly in, in longer work. So I would say that's a big challenge for people. The grammar, the punctuation, you can get an editor to do that, you know, at the end. And it, yes. so it's, yeah. it's not so critical. I, I want to comment on that, Lisa, because that's exactly what I find as a podcast coach. Exactly. Mm. I mean, when the person sits down and does their podcast, it's great. But then they postpone and then they're not ready. And then because it's something about that motivation of, of getting it done. And it's, it's just sometimes getting them. Once I get them to record, I mean, they're brilliant. But mm -hmm. then you get the no. Oh, we have to postpone. Oh, I want to wait another three months. So I want to wait another month. And I'm, I really want to try to figure that out because you need to keep that momentum. You really do. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of it is helping people really get clear in their mind, like, 
if they keep putting it off, that it's not going to happen next week, and it's not going to happen in three months, and it's not going to happen in a year. You know, it. they really need to make the space now and figure out, you know, how important is it to me? And if it's important, then what am I going to let go of to make the space for it? Because they're mm-hmm. going to be just as busy next week and next month and next year. But if you say, yeah. okay, this really means a lot to me, and so – you know what, I, my volunteering is really important to me, but for the next six months or the next nine months, I'm going to step off this board. I'm going to find my replacement. I'm going to, you know, um, set some more boundaries, whether it's with work or volunteering or with um, with other people. I'm going to set some boundaries to, to create the space to write the book or to create this podcast. If you don't do that, it's just not going to happen. Mm, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk more to Lisa about writing and about um, what are some of the things that you can do to start writing, and we'll talk more about um, self-publishing. We'll also talk about journaling again in, in another way, so there's lots more to talk about with Lisa Tenner. Lisa Tenner is an award-winning author, book writing, and publishing coach, and she's a speaker. Her recent book, The Joy of Writing Journal, Spark Your Creativity in Eight Minutes a Day, won three prestigious awards, including the Nautilus Book Award, the Independent Publisher Award, and the National Indie Excellence Gold Award. And again, the book is The Joy of Writing Journal. She um, has also helped clients get five and six uh, figure book deals with big publishers such as Random House. She's been quoted in major publications like New York Times and Boston Globe. And you can contact Lisa by logging onto her website, lisatenner.com, L-I-S-A-T-E-N-E-R.com. All right, you're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Listen for Go to Health Radio, featuring host Jonathan Marks and health experts from around the world who bring evidence-based education from Western, alternative, and holistic practices. We bring together you, seeking relevant and proven information for your healthcare needs and reputable healthcare experts and companies who offer quality education for your benefit. Monthly, we also share continuing education for medical professionals. Listen live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on Voice America Variety. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. 
Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to the Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. And my guest today is Lisa Tenner. And Lisa's an award-winning author, book writing and publishing coach and speaker. Her recent book, The Joy of Writing Journal, sparked her creativity in eight minutes a day, won three prestigious awards, including the Nautilus Book Award, the Independent Publisher Award, and the National Indie Excellence Gold Award. And welcome back, Lisa. Thank you, Patricia. All right. So let's go back to journaling. What, mm-hmm. is a cha- what are some of the ch- challenges of utilizing a journal? So one is that I think often people get stuck in the negative. You know, they think, okay, a journal is a place to write all the things that are wrong about life and complain. And, you know, there can be a real value in 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 writing down those things, right, the challenges. But it, you can get stuck there. And so if you start to realize, gee, you know, I'm always in this negative place when I journal, you can shift gears and ask yourself, is there another way to look at this? or even what might be a, the gift in the experience. And when you change perspective and ask yourself like some questions like that with some curiosity, then new solutions can emerge. So I think that's one of the most important. And I see that a lot, you know, people doing morning pages. They can get really stuck and not realize why. But if the morning pages are just about, you know, throwing up on the page, that 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 has limited value in my experience, and there's much more value to, um, to to really exploring and uh, taking on new perspectives too. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very it's a very good point. And do you think that people? I guess it's the kind of book you're going to write. I mean, if someone is going to write more of a self help book, or a biography, or an autobiography they could then refer to their journal for information, correct? I mean, it would be more that type of book where you might use your journaling as, as content. Yes, yes. And one mistake I made was somebody said to me, somebody close to me said, oh, it's so freeing to burn your journals. And I didn't burn them, but I threw away a lot of journals. And, you know, later I thought, you know, I think I might have wanted to write about that experience of visiting Japan uh, when I was in grad school. Uh, but, you know, I don't have those journals anymore. So I, I think, you know, it's nice to clean up, but your journals can be a real source, especially if you do think you might want to write someday. Uh, it's really helpful to keep those things around. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's go back to self-publishing and publishing. There is a different process when you self-publish a book from when you work mm-hmm. with a, an established publisher. Explain that. Yeah, so first of all, when you're when you're writing a book, you can just write the whole book. When you're uh, you know, when you're self-publishing, when you're traditionally publishing, you need to write a book proposal generally. And that means 
uh, it's almost like a business plan for the book. It's about, you know, why this book and why now and who's going to read it and how does it compare to other books that are on the market and how are you going to promote the book? Why are you the best person to write it? And how, how do you already have a platform that's going to reach these people? So, and, and then, of course, there's you know, the sample writing itself. There are some sample chapters. There are chapter outlines. So there's a lot that goes into a book proposal. Sometimes it's as much work as writing the actual book. And uh, you do that first, which, of course, includes some of the sample chapters. So, so, but generally, you do that first, you sell the book, and then you finish it. Now, sometimes people will feel like, you know what, I have to write the book first. I have to really understand this book, and to do that, I have to write it first. Mm, so, interesting. You know, that, yeah, and that can be, you know, you just have to listen to your, to your gut on that. But the trouble does with writing work? the whole book. Does that work well? I mean, does that really work? I would think you'd need the proposal first. You know, it's kind of like you're just plunging yeah, in without well, having a roadmap. Yeah, you'll still need the proposal to give to publishers and editor and agents, right? So you'll need the proposal. But sometimes you don't know what the book is till you've written it. Like, it's, you know, it just generally it's good to sketch it out and, you know, just have those chapter outlines and... Uh, it's probably you know. easier than to write the book proposal if you've written the book correct? That's true. That's true. Um, a proposal can really help you write the book too, though, because you know, you're really clear how your book differs from other books. You're really clear who your audience is. You've done research about your audience. So some people even recommend writing a book proposal, even if you're just self-publishing, because it's a way to get clarity on a lot of important pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you have choices here and you know, you're going to use your intuition for some of it, too. But uh, but one of the advantages of having the book fully written before you approach publishers or agents is that uh, then, you know, they're kind of ready to, to, to slot you in, right? You're, you're ready to go. You probably need some editing. But that, that window from signing the contract to, the, you know, having the book out there in the world is shorter. Um, and so you're more likely to keep the same editor, which is important because if mm-hmm. an editor leaves the house, the book's considered an orphan and doesn't get the support it needs. So mm-hmm. there is an advantage. But on the other hand, it can be a real disadvantage to um, write a whole book and then have an editor or agent say, hey, we want to make some changes and, you know, you're throwing stuff out or something. So yeah. In that case, you know, you, you may see it as wasting some time, although you can always repurpose material and you can use it yes, for blog posts true. and articles. Yes, and podcasts too. What do, you think about, what do you think about discipline and timing? If you're serious about writing this book, Lisa, should you write at the same time every day? Should you write in the same place? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's a little bit of an experiment. See what works for you. But I do find... Writing the same time every day can be very valuable, but, you know, some people can't do that, and, and you just find the slots. What does really make a difference is that you do schedule it into your days. And, it, you know, it doesn't have to be every day, but if it's five days a week, that's really great. It really helps. And, uh, you know, schedule it in very specifically. Keep it like a, a hot date or, or a sacred work yep. commitment. And and that's probably going to make the most difference. Yeah. I also yeah. find, for me, 
first thing in the morning really works well. You know, it's that liminal space and you get really inspired. Um, But for some people, it's the evening, whatever works for you. All right, we've got a caller and her name is Susan. So great, Susan, your question for Lisa Tenor. (laughs) Hi, Lisa. My question is, you talked about a book plan or a business plan with writing a book. Say that again. Can you hear me? Yeah, we're having trouble hearing the words. Go ahead, Susan. Say that again. Okay. So I'm interested in the business plan in writing a book. Okay. The Mm -hmm. business plan in writing a book. That's a great question. So, yeah, so your book proposal is like a business plan because it is, you know, you're looking at who's the market, what's the vision and goals, uh, and, uh, you know, Within that market, you know, how does it differ from other products in that market? And how am I going to have a sustainable plan for this? So if you're, you know, some, some people think, oh, wow, I'm just going to go on this, these book tours and I'm going to talk all over the world and, you know, and, and don't realize, like, that's going to be on my dime most likely, even if I have a traditional publisher. So how am I going to make that sustainable? Well, if there's a business plan and everywhere I speak, I'm getting paid because I'm speaking at corporations or something like that for something that they really want a speaker on, then uh, then suddenly it's going to be a lot easier to make that happen. But if I'm not getting paid and I have to actually outlay money every time I do whatever's in my plan, it, it's not necessarily realistic or sustainable. So the business plan really supports how you're going to reach your readers and in a way, hopefully, that brings them some money, too. Susan, does that answer your question? Do you have another one? I think I think she she asked the question and she was and then she was off the air. Yeah, that's a very good question. And I and I think it's a comparison between the book proposal, because in a way that is a business plan, isn't it? Because you're 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 really talking about who your audience is and, and how your book differs. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have a few minutes left, Lisa. What are what are some things you'd like to leave our listeners with as your message? Like well, to, for today. Yeah, a lot of people think, you know, I'm not creative, and I think I think there are a lot of reasons for that, but sometimes it's the education system, sometimes it's parents or other authorities who make us feel like, you know, we can't be creative. But we're creative beings and we're creating all the time even when you're in a field you think of as not creative. And so most people have deep creativity, and, you know, it may have been sort of um, learned out of us, but it's, it's easy to access that creative source. And, and it is one of the things that I, that I try to do in the Joy of Writing Journal where we have those, you know, we have some meditations even or, or guided visualizations where you just scan it with your phone, scan the QR code, and before you ever do any writing, you can you can imagine this journey to your muse and ask your muse questions or things like that. So, uh, you know, you can. There are lots of creative ways to access that inner creative source. And um, if you were told that you're not creative, it's just not true. It's a lie. Don't believe it. Mm. Tell us again how people can find you, and how you work with people. Okay. Thank you. Um, you can find me at lisatenner.com, L-I-S-A-T-E-N-E-R.com. 
And I work with people in a variety of ways, but one of the ways I'm really enjoying especially is this Get Your Writing Done program. And it's for people who just want to journal or people who want to write books or poetry or, you know, novels, screenplays, podcast scripts. I have a lot of podcasters who have been using my journal. Um, Just really any writing you want to do and, and get it done and get it out into the world. This is a way to have a weekly commitment and, uh, and, and get that writing you know, complete, get projects completed. So it's really fun. We get into the zone and write. Uh, I also, as Patricia mentioned, help people with book proposals and editing and other aspects of writing. And I also do referrals. So if somebody's looking for a fiction editor or a ghostwriter, I do help with that as well. Which is which is really great. And now, is this the book that you wrote, The Joy of Writing Journal? Um, that's mm-hmm. easily accessible, right on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. Correct. And is this is have you written other books beside this one? I have um, the Ultimate Guide to Transforming Anger, and then I'm a contributor to several books by Eric uh, that are, where Eric Mizell is the editor. Um, they're published by Routledge, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a new one coming out. I, I think sometime this fall, I know, or, yeah. And then, uh, so those are books like for creativity coaches and, and to coach yourself as, as a creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then I have some books that I'm working on, so there should be some more coming out soon. Yeah, which is wonderful. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to interview you, Lisa, and I know you're very dedicated to helping other people get their word out. Um, and in that sense, we're similar because I help them get their voice out through podcasting and you help them get their voice out through on paper. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, I think it's it's really important. So, again, they can find you through Lisa, right, at lisatenor.com. Yeah. All right. And can they write to you on the website as well? Yes, there is a contact page. And okay, good. they can put all good. the information there. Good. All right. I want to thank you so much for being on the program today, Lisa. It was great. Um, And just stay on the line for a minute. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's always great to talk with you. Um, All right, folks. That wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. I'm right here on voiceamerica.com. If you want to find me, you can go to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com, and I can put you on my newsletter list, and you can see all these incredible guests that we have on each week. Um, If you're looking to do your own podcast and you really want to get your message out there, um, I have interviewed about 5,000 people in four decades of doing this work, so I would be very happy to help you. You can also find me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. So remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.